WNA Trailblazers is proudly brought to you by Davies Chocolates, makers of handcrafted Australian chocolates since 1932. Now gluten and palm oil free. Visit davieschocolates.com.au and order your selection online for speedy delivery to your door. When we talk about the impact and the change, what we're really seeing is some of it's confidence development and getting out of their comfort zone. But a lot of it is self-acceptance and belonging, recognizing that their differences are good and that all of the girls there at camp are different and that they can all find ways to connect and enjoy each other's company, that they are capable of things that they never knew they were. That's Tanya Meesman, founder and CEO of Girl Shaped Flames, and this is WNA Trailblazers. WNA, Women's Network Australia. Trailblazers. Amplifying the stories of women in business. Hosted by Women's Network Australia CEO Cheryl Gray and Louise Poole, me, managing partner of podcast production company and official Women's Network Australia media partner, Welcome Change Media. Times are changing and the availability of online resources and remote work opportunities means that young people are entering a workforce that is starkly different to what older generations experience. With all of the exciting opportunities for growth and flexibility that this brings for businesses, how do we support young people in connecting with their passion and realising their potential? Tanya Meesman, founder and CEO of Girl Shaped Flames, talks to Cheryl in this episode of WNA Trailblazers about her journey of empowering girls to discover their own unique potential and strength by connecting to their fire within. Welcome back, 2023, Cheryl. Oh, how nice is it to be back for the new year? Are you feeling refreshed, energised, all of those things that we hope to achieve over a Christmas holiday break? For at least the first week. (laughs) And then it's a blur. (laughs) And then we'll be saying in 12 months' time, where did that year go again? It feels like it was just January. I know. I think it's something to do with getting old. How many times have you messed up writing down the uh, year date already? Oh, not yet. I haven't. But yeah, you're right. It usually takes about uh, till June to get get that one right and then my brain's already started to think about the next year and sometimes I hop into that one so yeah. well I know you've been thinking ahead here um, because we've done some planning for WNA Trailblazers for the next couple of months and um, I'm so excited to hear from some of these guests that we've got coming up because they are pretty awesome trailblazing women should we start with Tanya today absolutely Tanya uh, Meesman she's a self-confessed reluctant entrepreneur do you know what that means um, someone who seems to be in charge and coming up with ideas but doesn't really know how. <laughs> yeah, well, kind of. <laughs> it's that sense that you, you've you got an idea, you want to solve a problem and you start doing it and before you realise you've got a website, you've got clients, you've got things to deliver and suddenly, bango, you're in business. Mm. So Tanya has um, done that but she's always been driven by a very clear purpose and that's particularly around supporting young women navigating challenges in their personal lives, uh, in the school life, and now moving into their careers. Tanya is a is an inspiring uh, young woman, and we had a great conversation, great way to start the new year. Excellent. Hopefully we'll get some resolutions out of this so we can all meet our full potential. Trailblazers. Tanya, welcome to the WNA Trailblazers podcast. How are you? I am brilliant, and I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I mentioned Girl Shaped Flames, and the flame metaphor seems to run through your life. Can you just talk us about how you were inspired by the sense of flame and how that has been a bit of a theme throughout your life? Yeah. The story goes 
with the start of Girl Shaped Flames was that I was at a dog park and I was four months pregnant with my, what I then found out later, second son. And it was just a beautiful afternoon, um, very peaceful sunset in the gum trees. And I was perturbed by so much of what I'd been seeing in recent years when it came to young women being reluctant to step into their capabilities and their capacity. And we throw around the word potential a lot and they hate that. But I had a a junior working for me at the time, sort of 20-ish, and I had another one that had been working with me when I was head of production at a film company who I was still mentoring. And now I was working at a set of high schools, meeting girls every day and speaking to their parents and watching a very concerning trend happen in, if you could imagine, in sort of smallness, almost like the girls containing themselves and pulling themselves inwards. And when I was trying to grasp onto what was bothering me, I'm sitting in the dog park and I was thinking, when we are motivated by something that stirs us or we get passionate about or anything like that, there is a feeling that you tend to have physically in your body. And to me, visually in my mind, it came to me as, as, and we've heard the phrase fire in your belly a lot, but I just felt like it almost was this flame Mm. that when it's being fed can roar up into an inferno and it drives us forward and we're so excited, nothing can stand in our way. But then when the oxygen, when it is deprived of oxygen and it is, is kept small, it's still there. It still flickers, but it's hard to feel it anymore deep inside your body. And I was worried that that was what was happening for many girls that I was seeing was that so much of the world was throwing a lot of things at them that was taking away that oxygen and making them stay small and keep those flames small. So girl-shaped flames really came from this idea of every girl has a fire in her belly. We, and I mean that as a collective we, whether it's me, other women like me, parents, society, educators, we can all fan those flames, but then also the girls can take responsibility for fanning those flames themselves and feed that fire and then build it back up into whatever level of flame they really want. It's a fantastic metaphor. I love it. I love it. You mentioned there that the girls don't like the use of the word potential. Mm. What is it about that word that is so triggering? Look, it feels like a great responsibility that can feel very overwhelming, but it also is tied to letting someone down and having someone be disappointed in you. You know, parents using it in a way that speaks dismissively or or down saying like, you're wasting your potential. You're not reaching your full potential. I just wish you could do something with your potential. You've got all this potential and you're just not realizing it. (laughs) And it's, it's delivered in quite a, a judgmental negative way. Now you can't put your finger on potential. You can measure skills and you can take exams and you can get barometers to your ability in a lot of ways. You can run a race and see how fast you are. You do math and see how smart you are when it comes to math. But potential is something that you can't actually see or measure until it is realized, if that makes sense. So that's a really big concept for a young mind. Mm. So it becomes quite scary for them to consider it. But what the work that I have done with girls over the years has been really around trying to reframe that understanding of potential into possibility, opportunity, tapping into those powerful, good feelings that they have from time to time and recognizing that that is what potential feels like when you are stepping into it. And if we can reframe that so that it's not something that's very heavy for them, then it should be something they are excited by. When we talk about the flame metaphor, you've 
also fueled the flame of your own career over the years. Um, you mentioned your back background in production, but you've also worked with a lot of big names in terms of brands and clients in the marketing side. You took a leap of faith a few years ago now with Girl Shape Lames and really have dedicated yourself to that sense of fanning the flame for the young women. How did you do that? Why did you do that? I mean, it's it's a, it's a courageous thing, but as a huge amount of effort. Yes, I am very stubborn. It's funny because I'll always refer to myself as a bit of an accidental or reluctant entrepreneur because I have always enjoyed doing stuff for other people. I, I worked in advertising for 10 years in big ad agencies, part of teams where there was structure and you know hierarchy and things like that. And I worked in film production where you go from job to job to job. So it was really project based. I never thought to myself, goodness me, I'd love to run my own. In fact, I would tell people who run their own businesses that they were crazy. And <laughs> it looked like a ridiculous amount of work with very little praise. And so I can only explain it as an insurmountable need to address the problem that I could see in front of me. Mm-hmm. Probably looking at it thinking, I have a set of skills that I feel like I could apply to this problem. You know, I, I have a set of skills when it skills when it comes to um, logistics, events management, getting people involved with things, bringing stuff and people together in a way that creates an experience, whether it is an ad campaign or whether it's a film or whatever it might be. Um, I'm good at marketing. I'm good at advertising. So I think I felt like I have all these skills. There's this problem. I wonder if there's something I could do to help the problem. But I have been known to say time and time again, I really did not think I was actually starting a business or stepping off a cliff or doing any of those things. All I could see was the next step that was coming. I'll, I'll put on some events. I need to get a venue. I need to get some speakers. I need to sell some tickets. But then by the time I'd done those 16 events at the Brisbane Powerhouse in the first kind of couple of months of Girl Shape Flames running, I kind of got on the other side of Christmas and turned around and went, oh, yikes, I, I have like a logo and a website and I think I have a business. I think I'm running something. And so then I was in it because then I had too many people valuing what I was doing for me to stop. <laughs> so. yeah. With Girl Shape Flames, though, I guess you've also seen some incredible highs, particularly I'm imagining through Camp Courage. Tell us a little bit about Camp Courage and some of the changes that you've seen in some of the girls that have gone through the, the Girl Shape Flames program. The beautiful little nugget around Camp Courage is that it was when I was in that dog park, I went home and the first thing I did was I sat down with a spreadsheet and I tried to figure out how to run a camp with, say, 30, 40 girls um, for a couple of days. Like, how would that work logistically and money and all those types of things? Took two years from when I started Girl Shape Flames to when we could actually run the first camp. And I was overjoyed that we managed to finally do that. We now have run, I think we've run seven or eight camps um, and we're about to run our first ever mother-daughter camp courage as well. And they're a real passion project because they are the thing that I have seen the biggest impact when it comes to the girls. We only have them for about 72 hours, but it's, it is extraordinary, the change that you see from the girls who some of them are in tears when they're getting on the bus, they don't want to go, mm. very nervous, have their headphones on, don't talk to anyone, to <laughs> tears again 72 hours later because they don't want to say goodbye to everyone. They've all started their WhatsApp chat groups. They're um, signing each other's photos and promising together forever. And, you know, and this isn't like a handful of girls. This is like 97% of the girls that have ever attended camp have said how much it has changed them. It's impacted 
impacted them. It's, and when we when we talk about the impact and the change, what we're really seeing is some of its confidence development and getting out of their comfort zone and doing new things. But a lot of it is self-acceptance and belonging, recognizing that their differences are good and that they can all find ways to connect and enjoy each other's company, that they are capable of things that they never knew they were. They leave with this renewed sense of things can come at me and I will cope and I will be okay. And there are people in this world who I didn't know two days ago who really care about me today, which means that's possible in the outside world as well. So it's always so wonderful to see them go on to do things and and flourish and really step into that, may I say it, their potential. (laughs) (laughs) There's that word again. I mean, that potential, I think, was probably a bit of a spark for another venture that you're involved in, which is Unique You. Mm. How did one lead to the other? Or again, was it a happy coincidence or another session at the dog park? So it was actually a very natural evolution in a way. Unique You is a career advisory platform for high school girls in grades 9 through 12, specifically focused on connecting them with women who work in what we refer to as male-dominated industries or industries that are underrepresented by women. So you're talking mining, construction, agriculture, tech, those types of industries. I've been running that for two years now. And the segue really came from Girl Shape Flame started out with an intention of connecting young girls with extraordinary women. A number of those women were working at organizations and, and industries that they desperately wanted to get more girls to consider and come into. So I created an Industry Ignite partnership program. And what that did was it brought together about 12 or 15 quite big partners. And uh, what I did was I brought girls, parents and educators physically into their premises uh, so that the girls could experience, they could walk around and see, listen to panels, do activities, all those types of things to not only break down the barrier of understanding around what these worlds could be like for them in a career sense, but also continue to build up that self-confidence, that self-belief when they are exposed to fantastic, smart, strong, you know, creative, interesting women. One of the most powerful pieces of what we'd been achieving in the Industry Ignite program was after a woman would be standing out the front addressing the group of 20, 30, 50 girls, then they'd all break for morning tea or something. There would be five or six girls hovering by the exit, wanting to just nab that fantastic woman and ask her a couple of specific questions that they wanted answers to. I was watching this happen time and time again, simultaneously watching all the schools come online for online learning delivery with COVID. And I thought to myself, you know, what would be really amazing. We've got some really interesting ingredients here that if we brought them together in the right way, we could end up with a resource or a service where girls could access to all of these incredible women and more across Australia. And dare I say it, my board will, will cringe, but across the world one day <laughs> when we globe. <laughs> world domination. Global domination. But imagine, imagine if you're a girl in Mount Isa and you can talk to a Boeing Air Force engineer over in Western Australia to ask her some questions about things that you want to know before you go and make subject selections or um, university choices or gap years or whatever it might be. Imagine if you actually had access to all these women in that way when you're that young. Mm. And so that's where Unique You came from. And then once that was a nugget, the good old stubborn Tanya came out and was like, yeah, of course we're in the middle of a pandemic. I can launch a new business. That'd be fine. <laughs> but yes, it is 
fine. It's going from strength to strength. <laughs> it's amazing. It's great to see, you know, no doubt those young girls who are who are coming out of high school and we've, you know, we're just about, I know that they'll be waiting for um, the next step in their career and whether that's university or straight into the workforce, whatever it might be, that's another challenging time for young women, is it not? Oh, absolutely. I, it's very different to back in our day, Cheryl, when, you know, you had your <laughs> Bachelor of Arts, Bachelor of Finance, Bachelor of Law, pick one. Everything is fragmented. Everything is changing at a great pace. They've got a lot of opinions coming at them from a lot of different angles. So it can feel very, very overwhelming. One of the most frequently asked questions that comes from the girls who are submitting questions to speak to our advisors at UniQ is, um, what if I make the wrong choice? Mm. If I make this choice, is it going to be bad or ruin my chances or whatever it might be? There's this real sort of worry and concern of being locked into something and it having a really negative effect on the, the trajectory of their lives. And so what we are trying to address with this is giving them information that is real world and real time and coming from actual human beings. This is a human being that they can talk to and they can hear about their personal experiences and they can calm some of those nerves and concerns. And, and re- we're really looking at breaking down barriers to, to encourage girls into specifically with UniQ, these sort of male dominated environments, which have a whole other layer. You've got, you know, these young people worried about their futures and their stability and things. Then you add on the fact that the environment they're going to go into or they're considering going into, it, they are going to be a significant minority within. That just adds a whole nother layer of complexity to their decision making. So if there's mm. any way that Unique you can help ease that and encourage them forward, then then that's kind of the job well done. It's not just the the sort of pathways that have changed since, as you say, back in our day, um, but from an employer's perspective to the the way the workforce comes together or not, you know, there's still still that um, very much a sense of remote work or work from anywhere, uh, work from home mm. that's become part of our post-COVID norm, but also expectations and how employers work with young people. Mm-hmm. We need everyone in the workforce, so they say. And so getting employers to understand how to get the best out of these young people in any new work scenario, are there challenges there? Look, it happens with every generation, but this generation that's coming through now in particular, uh, oh my goodness, you know, they're the first technology generation. So from when they were born, essentially, not just internet existed, but the internet we know today when it comes to information, transmission, social media, and so on and so forth. So they have been afforded a fluidity in existence that we, those of us who are generally managing the companies that they're going to be coming and working for, it's quite foreign to us, or at least it's very new for us to be getting our head around. Mm. So they sort of have an understanding of how life works for them with this. I like that idea of fluidity that they have. Then in addition to that, we've got a generation who uh, have now gone through what has been three years of the pandemic and all of the working from home and the flexible working and the virtual working that has suddenly been thrust upon the world in that way. However, those of us who are of adult ages had, you know, anywhere between five and 35 years to learn the nuances of working with other people in a team, working with a manager, Mm. working to Mm. deadlines, self-managing your own workload, um, speaking up in meetings, having face-to-face conversations, using words instead of emojis. (laughs) We've had decades 
of experience doing all of that before being thrust into a virtual working and flexible working existence. Mm. They have not. And so while it can be glorified a little bit in a way of, of the freeing of the people, because we're not having to commute miles to get into stuffy offices and da, da, da. What we need to not forget are all of the skills that we developed during that way of working, the positive skills, there's been negative ones, but the positive skills and looking at ways that we're going to be able to help support this next generation in still developing those types of skills, but potentially not with the structures around them that we had when we were developing them. Yeah. So what would make or what makes a good leader, a good manager in this new world, so to speak? Inclusion. Inclusion in work activities and conversations, meetings, doing sort of your your stand up catch up for 30 minutes each morning and then leaving everyone to get on and just do. We're trying to find this balance between not killing ourselves with over meeting. But what we have to remind ourselves with young people is that those are the moments in time when they are exposed to the workings of not just the organization or the project at hand, but of the people who they are striving to eventually, you know, not so much become, but they're going to want to make their way through their jobs and and upwards. So really just involving them. And I guess that's another really nice angle around involving is actually inviting them into conversations, asking them their opinions, but then teaching them as you go. So if they have thoughts or opinions that are not quite in line with what is needed at that point in time, it's just about explaining to them why and how do things actually fit together. It's really important that the team supports and continues to teach and give opportunity to all of the youngest members that come through. And um, don't take for granted that you've issued them a bunch of commands and that they just need to go off and do it. It's about really nurturing them. You always get out. And that's what I, going back to my managers, I was nurtured to become as good as I became. I didn't just step in and be that good. And that's what needs to happen. Have we lost the art of conversation in this whole interaction between teams, between workplaces and and with young people? I think that when it comes to, you know, we all sound so old as far as, and me included, sitting here going like, why can't you just put down your phones and turn off the emojis and have a conversation? But I think the thing we have to recognize as every single generation has ever had to recognize is that each generation evolves into itself. And this generation of young people has evolved in a way that we actually need to take responsibility for because our generation came up with all of this stuff. We came up with these mobile phones and social media and all these types of things. They have inherited all of that from us. So what we really have a responsibility to do is to try to walk the healthy line between not losing the days of yore where you actually sit down and look at someone's face and have a conversation with them, which is more than just two sentences exchanged, but then take into account and respect the fact that they have a very different communication structure within their own set of social connections, essentially. And when they are then required to kind of flip from that communication structure into the communication structure that the wider world is requiring of them, we have to have a bit of patience with that, which is also why I'm going to give one last plug for part-time work during high school. It's just so good. It's so good. Having part-time jobs really has them in the world that they are going to go forth and have to live and operate in and giving them those opportunities to practice uh, and build up that muscle of conversation and communication. But that's our responsibility. We can't, like any young person trying to learn a skill, we can't just tell them you need to go off and get good at this and not help them do it. Fantastic. Thank you so much for what has been a a lively and insightful conversation. 
Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Always love a good chat. How good was Tanya? And um, completely understand about potential. I think uh, I would have heard that a lot of times when I was younger too. And it's, uh, yeah. Have you met your potential, Louise? I don't know if I've ever met my potential. Have you? I don't know that we ever know what our potential actually is, do we? I mean, if we knew what it was, we knew what know, know what we were doing in the first place. It's a bit like, you know, the, the how long's a piece of string. But I think Tanya's point was that um, as adults and as parents, we sometimes use language that's really comes from a good place, but can often be misunderstood or misinterpreted uh, in what we say. And the word potential is one of those words. But Tanya uses that sense of the flame, you know, in igniting the passion, igniting the flame and keeping that flame burning um, as a way to to inspire young girls and young women to find that potential, whatever it might be, with no limitations at all. And hopefully we can all do that at some point in our lives. And a timely reminder for the start of 2023 as well, like when people are setting their resolutions, you don't have to live up to a particular potential. Just do what sets you on fire. Yeah, I think, you know, maybe we talk about them as intentions rather Mm. than resolutions and we can keep those intentions with us. And okay, maybe we do or we don't achieve them in the time frame that we might like, but we can we can still keep them as intentions moving forward if they mean something to us. So lots to mull over. And Tanya, the self-confessed reluctant entrepreneur, has now gone on to launch her third business, Trellis Collective. After spending the past few years working with all those fantastic women employed in male-dominated industries, she's developed a coaching program and community to support young women navigating challenges specific to the first five years of a career within these environments. It's called the First Five Program, brings together those passion areas we just heard her speak about, like gender equality, confidence development and communication skills, along with a really supportive community of women with shared lived experiences. So if you want to connect with Tanya, we'll pop the link in the show notes or it's trelliscollective.com along with links to girlshapeflames.com and uniqueyou.com.au. That's how we can connect with Tanya. How can we connect with Women's Network Australia? The best way to connect with Women's Network Australia is through our website, womensnetwork.com.au, and you can actually register and subscribe to our free weekly newsletter. Oh, wait, I know that because I'm a member. Of course you are, and you read it religiously (laughs) every week, don't you, Louise? Oh, can you see my open rate on that? I can. Can you see me read it? Not only can I see your open rate, I can see what you click through. The power of social media and digital marketing is mind-blowing, I tell you. But we use our power for good, not evil, I swear. Of course we do. Of course we do. So stay connected with womensnetworkaustralia.com.au or on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram and LinkedIn. And please listen back and give us a give us a lovely review, if you can, of our beautiful podcast. Oh, that would so be a nice way to celebrate the start of the year, be. wouldn't it? Please. It we stars. really would. We really would. Next time on WNA Trailblazers, let's talk personal branding with leadership development coach and mentor, Susie Lightfoot. Branding to me is about captivating the best of you, all of the good and the bad and the vulnerabilities and the energy and the spirit and the wisdom and the knowledge and the knowing and your connections and channeling that, packaging that into how you show up every day. Women's Network Australia is a business network for women that's been around for over 30 years. And like Women's Network Australia, Davies Chocolates has a proud history and a love of innovation. Davies Chocolates has been making handcrafted chocolates since 1932. And the chocolate making traditions of the past have been mixed with the needs of today. With all your favourites now made with delicious gluten-free and palm oil-free gourmet chocolate. Visit daviesschocolates.com.au and order your selection online for speedy delivery to your door. 
Davies Chocolates are a proud sponsor of WNA Trailblazers. Do you know a trailblazing woman in business whose story needs to be amplified? Let us know. Drop us a line on the contact us page at womensnetwork.com.au. Thinking about making your own podcast? Welcome Change Media would love to help. Visit welcomechangemedia.com.au. WNA Trailblazers is a Welcome Change Media production.